0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick. It's episode number 60 of the Mandolins Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, the Mandolin Cafe. Hey everybody, this is the week. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, the first ever Mandolins Beer live stream. Four high-def cameras, studio sound. Dominic Leslie, Thomas Castle, Casey Campbell, and myself will be hanging out and playing tunes and talking mandolin stuff. And uh, I'd love for y'all to join in. It is going to be available on all the Facebook platforms. It'll be on the Mandolins of Beer Facebook page. It'll be on my Daniel Patrick Facebook page. And I'm sure Thomas and Dominic and uh, Casey will share the stream as well. I want to thank everyone who's already made a donation to this, by the way. Thank you so much. It's a, it's an incredible feeling. Donations and all the information and the links are available at mandolinsandbeer.com, right at the top of the page, there's a link to click, and all the information is there. I want to thank everyone who uh, sponsored it as well, Mandolin Cafe, Carter Vintage, who is giving away um, some shirts, some hats, and an autographed copy of Walter's book, and my uh, my longtime sponsor here, Peghead Nation. They are giving away a one-year subscription to any course you would like to choose. That's an incredible value. All you have to do to win that, even if you don't watch the uh, live cast, is just go to uh, my page and donate and just put in live stream and donate any amount you want, the $10 recommended donation. But again, if you've been affected by COVID and can't afford $10, I get it. And uh, if you can afford a little bit more, that'd be rad. But anyway, go there. And, you know, Peghead Nation they are streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including beginning mandolin, intermediate bluegrass mandolin, and the bluegrass fingerboard method with Sherrod Gilchrist. Bluegrass Mandolin Jam Favorites and the Advancing Mandolinist with Joe K. Walsh, Monroe Style Mandolin with Mike Compton, Melodic Mandolin Tunes with John Reichman, Chord Melody Mandolin with Aaron Weinstein, Irish Mandolin with Marla Fivish, and Theory for Mandolin and Fiddle with Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now Get your first month free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code mandolinbeer, all one word, at checkout. Or get yourself a year for free and join the live stream. Make a donation. Um, Also, Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out our website at northfieldmandolins.com and download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. That's mandosummit.app. And my newest sponsor, Ear Trumpet Labs. Ear Trumpet Labs hand built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed to have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at EarTrumpetLabs.com today. You've 100% seen those cool microphones, and there's a reason why all the incredible stars use them. So check them out. All right, y'all. I hope to see you guys uh, on Saturday. I'll have some more details. If anything changes, I might post just a real quick update on Friday on the podcast app. Not sure yet. Um, and if you're in Nashville, shoot me a message. Tell me tell me what to do. I'm not sure what's open and, and all that stuff right now with these crazy times. If you got some recommendations, drop me a line. Let's get to the uh, podcast here with Ethan. What a great guy, and he has made his brand-new album, available for free at bandcamp.com so check that out check out this conversation he's a heck of a guy and uh and appreciate all you listening cheers everybody All right, now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Ethan Satiyawan. Ethan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for doing it. You're calling from from California. California, that's right. You doing anything in particular out there or are you
1: just kind of hanging out? Um, sort of hanging out. Did this long road trip um, over here to work on some music for a project that's coming up um, here in a little bit. Cool. Is it uh, one of your projects? yeah um it's actually a sort of secret i'm doing a record with the great daryl anger producing um and it's sort of a you know a little hush hush still but sure that's what's happening here in about a month and then it'll be out in the world someday man exciting totally do you already have
0: all the stuff written for it or are you still in the uh so in the process yeah
1: pretty much all written um i've got 12 or 11 original tunes um And I think it might just end up being all original, just a sort of a a little statement there of what's what's going on in my head.
0: Oh, that's great, man.
1: um, Yeah, we're just kind of working through the tunes and figuring stuff out.
0: How many uh, how many players are going to be on the album? As far as like a per like do you have like a group? I should say I worded that weird, but like uh, instrument wise, like per song, do you have kind of like a vision of what you want to (laughs) do?
1: Uh, yeah it's sort of sort of bluegrass um i mean i've got um sam leslie playing guitar really great guitar player and ethan jojevitz playing and um got a couple of ringers coming in to do some overdubs. i've got louise bicken from my band corner house playing some double fiddle on some of the stuff and then tony trishka is going to come up actually and play some banjo and as well as Matt Arcara playing some claw hammer banjo oh cool and um yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Oh, and Joe Joe Walsh is gonna. I, I wrote this double mandolin tune. Uh, after you know, Daryl has this thing where he he likes to write tunes, or, or it's kind of you know prompt that he throws at people. Um, try to write a tune based on the piece from you know a little snippet from a Bach, from one of the Bach pieces.
2: Oh wow!
1: And I found this little piece in the A minor Allegro from the Violin Partitas. Um. That just is a perfect little snippet of a sort of David Grisman dog kind of fiddle tune. So I wrote this this tune that kind of turned this double mandolin tune, and I'm going to get Joe up to play on that a little bit. And, oh, uh, that's exciting! Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah man, I'm excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you've got um you got a couple releases. Obviously, you've got your brand new your brand new live album, uh, uh, mm-hmm. live from Club Pass Scene. it's cool to hear from a lot of those songs carry over from flux and it was kind of cool to hear those yeah. versions live and then be like, wow, totally. Holy moly, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, and then I love your first EP as well. I love that electric Mando cello oh, stuff. <laughs> that is yeah um, thanks that is just so cool sounding and
1: funky <laughs> yeah it's it's sort of a funny little moment um yeah it was really uh i think i did all of those sort of live one day kind of out of my porch and that was kind of the idea yeah just to kind of get this this really natural really just sort of you know in the moment kind of sound and I hope that's what kind of came out and uh, yeah I tried to read these little little pieces that would help to showcase some of that stuff and yeah I haven't listened to that in a long time thanks for thanks for checking it out Oh yeah <laughs> absolutely um
0: what in the heck are you playing that mando cello through that makes it sound so um I got I mean I hate to use the word funky again but there's some distortion <laughs> and it's yeah. it's a, it's very unique and I love it
1: Yeah it's actually this sort of um terrible uh you know new fender champ um like a 40 watt solids thing yeah um and i just kind of pushed it pretty hard you know turned up the master and stuff like that And i think i liked the amp and then i put a mic um way out in front of me that kind of picked up some acoustic sound and mm-hmm. also some of the amp and um yeah i i think probably that kind of came from listening to julian lodge holy cow. kind of his his um his electric sound um yeah i really love it and he kind of he's he's got the amps that just right to where um if he really hits the guitar hard it'll it'll break up nice and but if he doesn't you know you get this really you know big fat tone without any trace of of breakup and and it, it just you know he really dances really uses all of those colors in there Super inspiring.
0: It's pretty amazing. He um you have a comment um on your website here from some incredible players and Julian says, Vibrant, thoughtful, and beautifully interactive, which I mean coming <laughs> from that guy, like that guy is to me, he's like Thely of guitar. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, How does this guy exist?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's sort of the end end all be all of that kind of stuff. He's yeah, incredible.
0: Yeah, and just so interesting to listen to talk even. <laughs> I've watched a few of his, um, you know, videos on YouTube or whatnot where he's doing clinics, and it's just like, uh-huh. holy cow! Like, <laughs> totally. Just, you know, the the coolest thought process. And, and we should add the other people on here who talk about you are Mike Marshall and Brian Sutton, my buddy Don Sternberg, Jake and 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 Scott from Mandolin Cafe. So well, those yeah. are those are some pretty some pretty high praises from great players and well deserved. Well, I thanks. Yeah, man. Where did you uh, where'd you grow up, and how did you start playing the mandolin?
1: Um. Well, I mostly grew up in Indiana, um, sort of northern Indiana, mm-hmm. um, um, oh. the sticks, I guess. And <laughs> I, <laughs> my first instrument was the cello, and I started that when I was eight years old. And after that, well, I played that for a long time. I played that through high school and everything. Um, but I I had a couple moments where I got I got way into the mountain dulcimer for a little while. And then I got way into the ukulele for a little bit. And um, then a, a good friend got me into, who, who a good friend started me on ukulele. And then also, you know, he's a multi-instrumentalist. So I borrowed a banjo from him and I borrowed a mandolin. I might even borrow a fiddle at some point. <laughs> um, but mandolin's the one that stuck, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of settled on that one after a while. How long or what age did you
0: pick that up or really start focusing on it?
1: I was thirteen when I picked that up and and sort of right away I was pretty pretty into it. I mean as as time went on and I kept practicing, I kept working on stuff, um, you know, by by about the time I was fifteen or sixteen it was pretty clear that I was going to work on this for a while at least. And so yeah, then it was kind of all laid out. And I took lessons from Don Sternberg for a while. He's awesome, great teacher, and a great person. And, um, yeah, that was kind of all through high school. I took lessons from him, and that was great. Now, was that online or in person? That was in person. We drive up to Chicago. Um, It's about two and a half or three hours from where I am, so it's not actually that far. Yeah, I love Chicago. Oh, Chicago's great. Yeah, we go up every, um, you know, six weeks or two months and put in a long, you know, couple hour lesson just talk about a bunch of stuff and and um get through it that way
0: so good. good yeah do you have any uh do you have any Jethro stories from those lessons with Don he's got some great Jethro stories he
1: is yeah I mean he's kind of <laughs> oh yeah he's all over those he, he knows them all um I guess I should probably have some Don stories but none come to mind oh no worries <laughs> yeah he's so
0: nice man I just um I got to see him and Frank Sullivan in Atlanta
1: oh cool um, mm-hmm
0: right before I, well i guess it was last late last year and man yeah. just so nice and you think he's incredible like on on recordings and live just a powerhouse <laughs> totally
1: yeah it's it's always this super creative super inventive and and just yeah really wonderful Madeline playing always kind of comes out from nowhere
0: you were taking lessons from Don. What was what, mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you started like wanting to learn when playing mandolin? Was it jazz stuff? I only say that because of Don, so versed with jazz. Sure. But...
1: Um, well, I started out playing old time fiddle tunes with mm-hmm. um, a couple of kind of local circles of musicians. Had these you know old time jams every Saturday or whatever every other Saturday. Um, so that was kind of the first thing, just going to these old time sessions and learning tunes by ear and just playing through those. Um, And I kind of feel like there's a natural progression here. You start on the old time tunes and that can kind of lead you to bluegrass. And then if you get into bluegrass and kind of all the alternative styles of bluegrass out there, that'll pretty much lead you to jazz. Um, So I ended up working on jazz with Don. And actually one of my early um, mandolin hangs was was with um, Jake Jolliffe, who I know that, you know, you've taken some lessons with him and everything and... He's great, and uh, yeah, I I went to see his band, his little band of Neutral, come flat. It's a great band name. Great band name. And and um yeah, that was pretty cool. Got to hang with him a couple times, sort of early on, mm. and uh, that was great.
0: And any um like big bluegrass guys start out like or, or that you uh like if you're to take maybe let's let's pick three influences that you would say kind of helped shape your sound. I know it's tough to probably sure. pick three, but
1: <laughs> totally. Um, well, as far as early stuff, I mean. I think that Thiele was in there. You know, I don't think any mandolinist can, you know, play down the effect of Chris Thiele on on their on their playing. Um, that's that's in everybody at this point. And um, Stan Bush was definitely another big influence, big hero early on. I love love his playing and and his all his rhythm stuff is just sort of incredible. Um, uh, Bluegrass. Um, I really dug that Emery Luster record, Pale Rider. one Swananoa gathering at some point and and I didn't actually I, I, the, I couldn't get the room anywhere it was I, I couldn't find it you know but I emailed Emery and he, he sent it to me which is super nice and, and that was an inspiration pretty early on just that all that you know that clean facile playing I should note that just was
0: reissued um, oh, and cool. is available pretty much anywhere that you get music and That's it cool. is yeah it is so good
1: totally. That's a classic I think that kind of it's not super well known I don't think but but it kind of set the tone for a lot of a lot of this stuff that's happening now
0: for sure it's like that hidden influence it's kind of like mm-hmm. why I like to ask people their influences because I always find it I love to find some people who um, have maybe some different unheard of unheard mm-hmm. of people you know um, sure I just had uh, Jesse Brock on and he uh-huh. turned me on to the Bray Brothers, which I had never heard of. I and, don't know who that is. Oh man, check him out. Um, <laughs> it, it's really, really—it's great mandolin playing. And I'm like, I can't believe. Cool. Yeah, I'm just—it's so happy that you know to find those little things like that, just to try to pick something else up. You know, totally. I think it's cool too because you're one of those players I talk about a lot when I first started doing this podcast. When you're like, boy, when we start hearing these younger dudes who like were listening to Feely and and Jake as they were growing mm-hmm. up and being influenced. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like this next level of stuff. And you can already hear that <laughs> in your playing and in your no, releases, thanks. man, it's, it, it's so exciting.
1: It's, it's pretty fascinating to watch the the mandolin evolve like that, you know, cause you've, you know, if you go way back, you get Bill Monroe, who is absolutely a pioneer in his own right. You know, that stuff is as groundbreaking as anything anybody's doing right now. Um, and you know, you go to the next level, and you get like Dog and Sam Bush, putting stuff in there, you know. And then you get feely kind of a big landmark, and um that was just a, a pretty big step. And then you get the post feely generation, right. which is you know Jake and Sarah Hall and Dominic, and then you get the post post feely generation, which <laughs> okay. is sort of me, right? You right. know, and so it's you just get this whole progression and. Every time, it just you know, it morphs just a little bit, and it's fascinating to watch.
0: I love that you still have um, Monroe in there, though, and you you can tell you've done your homework and gone back because there are, <laughs> there. I mean, there are with especially with like Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff. You can definitely see there's there's so many people out there just posting, you know, themselves just mm. wailing and ripping, and that's awesome. Sure. But there's totally. a huge. A huge difference in my opinion of people who can wail and rip and then people who have gone back and listened to that that early there's a feel that you just if you don't ah, go back to yeah. Bill or and Dog and Sam and all that and, and don't do your mm-hmm. homework, you kinda miss
1: it, I think. And you definitely got it and Oh thanks.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Well,
1: I was I was talking to Mike Marshall about jam bands a little while ago and and what he kinda said that made me think in a different way was that um sort of what got lost bluegrass at some point was the triplet oh yeah which fascinated me just the idea you know that that subtle swing in there that just makes it that makes it happen that makes a groove um and you know that's kind of the thing that that might be missing from some of this you know this really fast wailing bluegrass right just that that it's it's hard to describe even but you know if you think about the eighth notes and the mandolin chop and see yeah, how the triplet fits in there um yeah, and, yeah and, that's and, what's missing <laughs> yeah
0: and i love man just slow down like a Grisman um double stop tremolo part and just mm. you know like on when you just lick, listen to it, if you listen to it at full speed and you're like oh it's amazing and then you just just slow it down to yeah. half and listen to the feel and it's I mean, I remember the first time I tried to learn one, I'm like, oh, oh, that's (laughs) why it doesn't sound anything like that. You know, that and among other things, but like, you know, (laughs) years of playing, but like also just the straight up feel of his, Mm -hmm. of his tremolo isn't, isn't just like metronomic. It's got, it's got feel. It's got that triplet kind of vibe. So you, you you decided mandolin was where it's going to be. You won a couple pretty major contests as well. What age, what age was, were those at?
1: Well, I was, um, I was 17, I think when I won Winfield and that was kind of big, um, for me and just kind of a, I mean, contests don't really mean anything. I don't think, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that do them and everyone's different and most of them are pretty cool. And it just depends on what the Joe's day for lunch that day, you know? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> what did but, you, um, what did you play? do you remember i uh i i think i can remember this what did i play i think i played stony lonesome in the first round and something else which maybe i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> at least stony lonesome and then in the second round i played spain by chick korea oh yeah and then i played the arkansas traveler so nice good mix yeah yeah that was kind of the idea
0: <laughs> and then what was the uh, what was the main prize for that one
1: Uh, i won a clark f5 for that mandolin and i played that mandolin for about three years there um great mandolin i don't have it anymore, sadly but that's a great mandolin and
0: then and then what was the other one that you won there
1: i won rocky grass a couple years ago now um what was that three years ago or something two years ago three years ago i guess yeah
0: nice how about Um, what what were the tunes on that one
1: well, these are hard questions. I played June Apple somewhere. <laughs> um, June Apple, I might have played Bill Cheatham. Wow, I this is incredible. I, I thought I could remember this. I think I also played Spain for the second round on that one. Cool. Maybe I didn't. I played some, some fast stuff. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Got to give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes it works, you know, and that's mm-hmm. one of the situations where it, where it works. Yeah.
0: And, and what was the grand prize
1: in that one? um i won the middle that i played that i play now that i still play these days um the gibson sam bush model
0: how long when you did the first one when you did winfield did you just did you spend like a certain amount of time just focusing on that
1: well winfield i i tried winfield a couple of times before i won it um i think i i tried that contest three times total and um And it was actually a really good sort of uh, way to, a sort of a goal, I guess. I I I was never super focused on. I mean, winning is nice, obviously, and it's a good feather in your cap and everything. Um, But it was a great kind of um, landmark. You know, I could go back every year and see see what's going on, see what people are playing, see kind of how I stack up to them every year. And um, I I think I, I like to think that I used it to really work out some some you know some playing some playing stuff just um it really helps you get just the virtuosic you know how do you how do you get your point across in five minutes you know how do you play two tunes in five minutes and just put it all out there
0: now do you did you um do you sight read as well i mean you before you went to berkeley and such was that part of your part of your stuff
1: um sort of yeah i i uh i played cello so i sight read um bass clef sometimes um and I and I was I was reading Triple Class. I'm not a fast that reader at all, but um, you know, I can I can get through it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you um you went to Berkeley, was that like a decision that you had made early on with the uh, Mandolin? Um Or a goal. Sort I of, say? I guess.
1: Yeah. Um I think that I as I got more serious with it, it just became clear that I was going to go to music college, mm-hmm. and there's not so many music colleges that offer mandolin programs. There's sort of only three or four, actually. So, And I was I was interested in going to Boston, going to the Northeast somewhere. So I only applied to um, Berkeley and the New England Conservatory. And um, Berkeley let me in and gave me some decent money, and, and uh, I ended up going there.
0: What was the audition process like for you? I've had a few people on now, and I think it's – uh I can't imagine – you know, <laughs> like what, um, you know, well, I had Billy Bright on and back then it, it was like totally different. He was saying, you know, it was, you know, there wasn't really this big mandolin program yet. So it was a, it was a little bit more chill, but I'm guessing it's as you see the players that are starting to come out of there, it might have gotten a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more intense as you, as you applied.
1: Um, well, it's still a super small mandolin program, but um, the, act- actually the audition process is the same for everybody. There's, it's not different for, for instruments. You get thrown into a room with two random teachers, basically, who could play anything at all. Um, and you play. There's kind of a whole range of things that they kind of mark you on. There's sight reading and um, ear training and improvisation and maybe even um, comping playing chords. Um, so basically, you prepare something. You prepare, prepare a piece to bring in and play. Mm-hmm. And, and so you play that. And then you um usually sight read something. There's a couple of levels of sight reading, so you get to you actually get to work on it for about 15 minutes before oh, before good. you go into the thank into goodness the, <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> good for me <laughs> good for anybody I'm guessing um, Yeah, totally uh and yeah then they they can you know ask you to you know they play some chord and you to play along or something or um you know there's kind of a whole range of things you can do and then they they kind of take you into another room and two different people interview you and kind of you, they've asked you questions like, you know, so why are you good enough to go to Berkeley? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's might not, be quite that astringent, but right. Um, along those lines. Sure. And um,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: That's kind of, that's kind of it. It's a pretty quick process. Like, you know, half an hour sort of kind of, kind of thing. And, and then you, you go and you wait. <laughs> How long do you have to wait? Um, I, I did some. I I applied pretty early in the year. I I applied in like October or something, and I actually heard by December about um, about my acceptance. Oh, cool. Um, so that was pretty quick. But I think they they can also, you know, there's kind of the general applications are open any time, and I think that scheduling your audition interview is kind of the last big step. So once once you do that, they'll start processing the application and and let you know.
0: Nice. What was the uh, What was the biggest shock? Going into Berkeley for the first time for you as like a a bluegrass mandolin player. I should say I shouldn't say bluegrass mandolin player. As a mandolin player, sure. Yeah, going yeah. into this, you know, you know, coming from Indiana, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. not saying Indiana's not, but you know, like you said in the sticks from Indiana earlier, you know, and then going to, <laughs> totally. to to Boston into just this amazing school and
1: program. Yeah, Boston, Boston. I, I love Boston, and i actually spent some time there before I did one of the Berkeley summer programs. And um and yeah, that that was good. It was good to get kind of feel for it's not super similar actually to how Berkeley is run, but there's some stuff that, you know, made sense and kind of transferred over and I got to get a feel for the city a little bit. So that was really good to kind of have a a little bit of a grounding there. And I've been traveling quite a bit, so so I, I was kinda of used to, you know, moving around a bunch and that kind of thing. But um when I actually got to Berkeley they sort of choose your classes for you the first semester. They they assign you your classes and I got assigned to an Afropop ensemble. Oh wow. Which was great. It was super fun. And yeah, just got into these, you know, classic Afro pop and rhythms and, and tunes and I think I played electric mandolin and just it was just a groove party. It was just it was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love a groove party. That's great. Totally. What other type of stuff uh, that were you listening to that were maybe outside the realms of mandolin that have kind of snuck into your playing?
1: Um, well, Julian lodge is up there for sure. Kind of talked about him. Um, I was early on in my Berkeley career. I was super into the band Wolfpack. <laughs>
0: Uh, for some reason, there's something about your playing. Oh, wow! Or maybe it was that funky Mando child. I don't know, but there's something about that. I'm like, ah, I wonder if Wolfpack is in there.
1: Yeah, a couple of those, a couple of those tunes on um, that that solo thing that you're talking about that, that kind of came out of the Wolfpack um, ear. Um, you know, I I love Wolfpack, and there are people that kind of I I um you know people kind of write them off as. Um, hipster music i guess uh but i i really there's some there's some really cool stuff in there and i think my favorite part of wolfpack is the the early they sort of had four eps that came out um pretty early on and they're just so groovy so funky and so in the pocket Every, everything just really clicks together on those and I, I i like the stuff with the vocalist and everything too and the more produced stuff but there's something really special about it, just that, this, you know, four people in a room, you know, just making it happen. It's pretty cool.
0: Have you heard Corey Wong's new album? I haven't,
1: actually. I really want to check it out if, um, you know, Chris and Sierra playing stuff on it. Those
0: tunes, the whole thing's great. But those two tunes, you'll dig them, I think.
1: Cool. Yeah, I, I, I heard some snippets, and I, I'm very curious what about um any other ones? I was into Becca Stevens for a little bit. Singer-songwriter from New York, who hangs out with um, sort of all the snarky puppy people. Oh wow! Um, so there's there's some really really fascinating arrangement choices going on there.
0: So did you did you do that first EP? You, had you been at Berkeley then already at that point? Uh,
1: yeah, that was after my first year at Berkeley.
0: Oh, I okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And you recorded that yourself, kind of at home.
1: Yep, that was, that was just at home in Indiana, and and yeah, I just kind of threw that down um, over three or four days or something like that. Wow. And yeah, I love doing stuff at home when you don't have any time limits, especially when it's just you and you just, you know, working at your own pace. And I got it tracked, and then I went to Spain after that. Um, Berkeley has this program in Spain, um, in Valencia. So I went over there and um, took a bunch of classes in mixing, actually, and recording and mixing. So that was kind of the perfect time to do it, just to have these these tracks that were ready to mix that I could work on and, and play around with. And then you, you recorded Flux. And
0: I love, by the way, I should mention, you, so your stuff is on Bandcamp. You can, you can get all three of the albums uh, for like $12 or, or any donation. But then you were also just saying you made the new one, Club Pass for free
1: yeah that's kind of that's that's free that you could have that for free if you wanted to and and sort of the idea is you know pay what you want that that kind of whole idea um and it seems like it's it's the right thing to do i I think that you know if somebody wants it and is able to pay you know they should probably pay me but um if somebody wants it and for whatever reason can't pay they should also have it
2: yeah
0: that's awesome And the thing I was getting to with that, besides the fact that people should go out and and spend (laughs) at least the $12 and get all three releases, but I love that you put all the liner note information um, on the Bandcamp stuff. To me, that's like the worst part of digital music right now is the fact of like, I love to know who played on stuff and, you know, just like, and and it was great to see that Dan Bowie
1: um, Mm -hmm. worked with you on Flux, that was great. Yeah. I loved working with Dan. He's, he's the best.
0: Yeah. What a nice cat. Totally. So what was it like going into the studio to do flux as opposed to, you know, you know, doing your first EP by yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, we worked in a real studio, which was nice. Um, and well, we, we did sort of cram that one into, I think we had like two and a half days, um, maybe three and a half days or something, something like that, maybe three days total. Um, and um yeah, we just went in there and cranked out a bunch of stuff <laughs> And um yeah that one was funny because it kind of it kind of felt like or, or not it didn't not at the time but now looking back on it, it feels like sort of a uh, um, a final project for that semester because I worked on writing a bunch of those tunes to Joe Walsh in in our lessons. Um, and kind of the inspiration was, the writing of Bela Flack. Oh, cool. And so kind of trying to pull all these tricks. We had this big big spreadsheet of kind of trying to catalog all of Bela's harmonic ideas, his harmonic devices that he likes to use. Oh, wow. Um, so we got into the the weeds with the Bela stuff, and, <laughs> and all those tunes kind of came out of that.
0: Oh, that's neat.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was cool to work on. Um, it's kind of funny listening listen to it. It's always funny listening listen to something after a little while, but yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds good, but um, I'm stoked for kind of the next one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, in the notes to you, you thanked Joe Walsh there for his uh, his guidance on writing some mm-hmm. of those tunes. I mean, I can't think of really um, many better people that you could have great access to than Joe. He's just His albums are so good. Everything he's on is amazing. Sure.
1: Yeah, it, it was great to work with him because it was a, a real... A good sounding board um for all these ideas and we worked through a bunch of the bailiff stuff together and um yeah we we were it was really nice and beautifully collaborative and um yeah those tunes came out pretty well i think
0: i think so as well and then when we go to the the live at club passim some of those songs it's really cool to hear those songs um played live because again you know they're not super easy songs you know i mean there's some there's some complexities in there and um you know with studio trickery and different things like that like anybody can go in and record a real technical sounding album but to me totally you know going to th- going and doing it live is a whole mm-hmm. other thing and just making it sound as together as the band sounds you know I, it's really i know it was recorded in, was it 2018
2: uh, They're taken from shows in
0: 2017.
1: Oh, oh, oh! The, the the live record. Yeah, that was 2018.
0: And it was a couple, a couple different shows. It looks like
1: yeah, two different shows. Yeah.
0: So had you guys been playing a lot
1: together as a unit? Um, sort of. Mm-hmm. The first band was from April of that year. And that band, <laughs> that that band played two gigs together. One is the Ethan Satiano band, and one is the Julian Pinelli band. An hour apart. <laughs> <laughs> at the same, fe- at the same, it was it's the bluegrass festival that they did, and I think, I um, think the Ethan Satiano band played first for an hour, and then there was a set in the middle, and then the Julian Pinelli band played after that. <laughs> it oh, that's the great. Same band. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. Um. Uh, and that, that band hadn't actually rehearsed or even played many gigs together, I don't think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then the second band, we switched out guitar players. Um, the first guitar player is Ethan Hawkins, and the second guitar player is Sam Leslie. And in the second band, we would played a couple shows, um, kind of touring my record around around the New England area.
0: highlights from that album that really to you stick
1: out especially from it being from like a live setting yeah i i well i really i really love just listening back to it because it it really i think illustrates kind of the vibe that we had going on at the time which was great looking back you know and it was great at the time too but looking back you just you know it was really special it was really great um but as far as a specific track um I love the way that, that dog tune came out. Tell oh, your ride. Right. That's that's a fun one to play, and and um, I think Corey Brodsky is playing the guitar on that, and I got Sam to play mandolin, and I love playing twin mandolins with Sam. It's one of the great pleasures in life.
0: <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the gear that you use, because you also list the gear. Um, so what are your? Uh, you know, obviously your your main axe is the Sam Bush.
1: The Sam Bush, yeah. Um, I'm on the Didario strings, the the heavy set medium-heavy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing one of those Wiegand picks
2: Oh yeah, lately.
1: Um, love them. I really like those. Yeah, those are great. You use the big triangle or the smaller? The big triangle with the holes in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1.4, I think, the heavier size. And, um, yeah, I've been playing one of the Northfield Octave Mandolins recently, and I love that. Dude, um,
0: I want one of those so bad. <laughs> I've got to justify that I would use it enough. And then I saw a video of you doing, um, you had a video that you just did. I did,
1: I did, a, I did a, something for Baron Collins Hill. That's what it was. Um, yes. And old beach leaves. Yeah. Old beach thing. leaves. Yep. Yes. hmm They're, they're great. They're a great voice. And, and I love playing it. Um, how long
0: have you had that for? Uh,
1: I only, I've had that since last November and it's kind of on loan, um, So I'm just kind of hanging on to it for the moment and picking on it, which is, which is great. Getting good use out of it. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I need, if I ever have to give this one back, I've got to find one somehow, you know, (laughs) I just, it's really sort of, I I love playing it. It's kind of become a a big part of a couple of the things that I do. So (laughs) they're good. They're great. And I've got this uh, Bayard Blaine Mandola that I like playing too. Oh, nice.
0: How long do you have that for?
1: Uh, I've had that for, I think I got it in 2018, so about um, two years here.
0: Cool. And that's on one of the tracks on the live album as well. Yes. It sounds phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, oh, Did you put record into one mic for the live album? Um,
1: no, I don't think so. I oh, think okay. we did separate mics for, for the, I think we were all separate. Oh, okay, um, cool. Well, actually... The November show might have been single mic. I think it might have been single mic with the, with the guitar mic off to the side. Um, that's often what we were doing for those shows. But the, the, the April the April show was was um, individual.
0: And, you know, that's, again, a feather in your cap is those albums, while they are different shows, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like two different show recordings. I mean, it feels like one live one, you know. When I went back totally. and read the notes, I was like, oh, that's two shows? That's, a, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that really just speaks again to kind of the the collective vibe we had going on. We we had this um, um, well there was there was a house in in Brighton, Massachusetts that a bunch of us lived in that, um, and kind of this this whole scene coalesced around it with you know, um, a bunch of the, the pickers in Boston that we all hung out with, and yeah, it just it really you know became a, a nice cohesive thing. By the end of a couple of years,
0: <laughs> yeah, man, that Boston area—I I just I, so much of the music that's been coming out of there and has come out of there is just so great, and you can feel like that's yeah. got a sound it has got a sound mm-hmm. to to me that I love, you know, and it's so neat to see.
1: Yeah, it's funny because the scene is kind of evaporating from there right right now, actually. I bet. Um, just with you know, schools Berkeley's closed, NEC is closed, and. Um, you know, folks are either taking a year off or doing school online from wherever they are, and um, yeah, I'm sure it'll come back and maybe in a different place or something. But but um, yeah, it's a good scene. And
0: you've been doing some live uh, streaming lessons. I watched one of them. Uh, yeah. The uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was really really great. You did a couple of really uh rad things. You had a cool metronome exercise that you used with uh turning one of the uh, beats off and. And then slowly turning, you know, <laughs> three of them off. I'm like, oh, that was yeah. amazing.
1: that's maybe, that's, a, that's a good exercise. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe um, kind of talk about that and 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 how you came up with that and use that.
1: Sure. Well, it's actually um, um, yeah. yeah. It's you start with the metronome on one and three. You know, every four eighth notes, I guess. And then you turn off the beat slowly. You, so you turn off beat three. So you, it just clicks on one every eight eighth notes. And then you get to click every other bar. So it clicks every 16 eighth notes, and then every four bars, and every eight bars, and every 16 bars, and if you can get to there, um, let me know what you're drinking.
0: <laughs> what's, a, uh, what's a practice <laughs> session for, for, for you look like? What's an, how much time a day do you think that you put into, I mean, just playing?
1: Well, it, it always kind of varies, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, um, for, for a while there, it was really consistent and really, you know, I was sitting down and work on some intense technique stuff and plan through changes and, and a lot of metronome stuff. But as of late, as of late, I've been driving a lot. So it hasn't been, <laughs> um, immediately hasn't been a lot of, um, practice time, but mm-hmm. when I do get to sit down, um, I've been trying to write a lot. So there's been a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it often turns into um, recording and trying to put something down um, and being creative that way. And I still do the metronome stuff and I still, you know, try to keep up the chops and everything. Um, But yeah, it's, it's very, it's pretty varied. And, and um, I like to try to give myself just the permission to, to follow, follow threads if I find one, you know, if, if there's something that catches my interest, try to follow that i've been i've just recently i've got this i wrote this tune (laughs) i wrote this hard tune (laughs) i wrote this tune for a while ago for an ensemble at berkeley called the mixed world ensemble um which is it's sort of a jazz based ensemble but um there's always a lot of uh international influence i guess just kind of you know all kinds of different music there are like five israelis in the ensemble when i took it so you know sort of israelian influenced jazz i guess or something like that but i wrote this tune and i wrote a solo section in five and so i've been trying to work on my playing in five um just recently so that's kind of been occupying some time here
0: oh that's so cool i love that stuff but every time i do it it's, it's so hard to make it sound not
1: forced
2: <laughs> you
1: know? yeah that's the, that's the goal that's trying to trying to get to that place where it's um we're phrasing it it is a little more natural. I mean, I think it's hard for anybody who's spent a lot of time studying Western music to really get inside of odd time meters like five and seven. Um, but the goal is to get it sounding a little more natural, to where we have that same kind of control over our phrasing as as if we do if we're playing in four or three or whatever.
0: Do you have any times from all your time, like traveling and playing with some of these incredible players, that you that you that you've had like some big takeaway from that's
1: carried on with you in your playing? Oh, that's a good question. I'm sure that there is, um, none are coming to mind at the moment. Um, I, I learned a lot from just being around Andrew Marlin. Um, yeah, I got to hang out, hang out with him, um, a bunch last year and the year before that. And, and he's just got this really, I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's beautiful playing and, um, but it's very relaxed and very natural and very, you know, he doesn't waste words when he plays the mandolin, so to speak. It's all just out there and it's all, you know, phrased beautifully and it's all it's all straight from the heart, you know. And that's a that's a big a big thing and a really inspiring thing to see somebody play the mandolin like that. Cause a lot of our mandolin players that we love get a little distracted by the actual mandolin and just end up playing, you know, a lot of notes all the time.
2: Right, right. Um,
1: But Andrew's one of those people that has just figured out how to be, you know, really lyrical and really beautiful with his phrasing.
0: That Buried in a Cape album. Oh my gosh. So great.
1: That's a great record.
0: He's just on somebody else's record too that just came out. Uh, Christians. Yes. Yes. Another great
1: album. I haven't checked that one out yet, but I need to, obviously.
0: Yeah, good stuff. How did it come totally. about that you got to hang out with Andrew for a bit there? Um,
1: We hung at a festival uh, in 2018, and I actually, he sold his mandolin to Joe Walsh, and, I, and Joe was out of town, so I picked it up at a mandolin orange show in, in Boston. Oh, wow. And, um... <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. That <laughs> yeah, was fun. That was fun to hang with him, and... Um, our good mutual friend Simon Dunson um, was there as well, who's an amazing mandolin player. He's he's the first um, jazz major at, uh, that plays the mandolin at New England Conservatory, and amazing stuff. You should have him on this this podcast. Yeah, for you sure. know what?
0: I think I've seen some of his videos on um, on Instagram. I should reach out to him. Well, he's a great he's player. Great. Yeah,
1: he's amazing. Um, so yeah, we got we we hung out, and Andrew had just got his lore too, so he was super excited about that
2: wow
1: um so yeah we got to play some tunes there and and yeah we just you know hung out at a couple of different shows and festivals last summer we, we were at festivals like t- the same festivals like three weeks in a row or something um and so yeah yeah Andrew's great
0: did you tell joe like oh man he forgot to bring it to the
1: show and it's gonna be another yeah. couple <laughs> weeks yeah i um yeah i, I don't have it i, I definitely <laughs> don't have it right <laughs> Let's
0: talk a little bit about some of your technique um that that you have too because you're you're playing is you know it's just so great you get you got great right and left hand technique obviously to uh to make the sound. What are some of the things that um that you that you've been working on recently that you're trying to uh besides the writing of of the new album, but some things you're trying to maybe wrap your head around and get better at.
1: Um that's a good one. Um I've been, for the right hand, I've, I've been teaching it a lot, actually, so I've really just been kind of going back to the basics and and thinking about all that mechanical stuff, which which definitely, you know, it just helps with everything, just going back and thinking about how the right hand moves. Um, that's been great. And um, the left hand, yeah, well, what have I been working on? I've been, been trying to um, transcribe a bunch, actually um i've transcribed i'm on this sort of melodic mandolin a solo kick i guess um i uh um joe walsh plays a really beautiful solo on um john mylander's record um on the um, gentle on my mind it's a it's a great record the whole thing is really beautiful and and Joe's solo on that on the the Hartford tune is just gorgeous sort of amazing um and then I've transcribed Thiele's solo on It's Been Real the Reichman tune um and there's a lot of I I posted on Instagram and found it somehow. He he commented, you know, something like, "Hell yeah, Ethan!" And that was wild and Whoa, amazing. Oh, wow, man, that's um, amazing. It was pretty cool. Um, but I'm not. I actually asked him on Instagram. I uh, I never got a response, but I'm not quite sure of the fingering on the the end of the B part. So I, you know, I replied to him, and but he didn't. He didn't <laughs> answer. or hasn't yet, at least. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, and then I transcribed Dominic Solo from Grant Gordy's record actually on um that fiddle tune. Goodbye Liza Jane. Just a kind of another another classic A mandolin solo at this point. Um, so that's been great. Just yeah, just the Philippi the stuff is insane, obviously. Um, trying to work through those the stuff that he does. Um, it's really beautiful both in terms of um, you know, the fingering how he plays it. And um, the harmonic language in there is really beautiful. It's just a, you know, it's it's a very simple tune, one, four, five um, fiddle tune kind of thing. But, you know, obviously he plays a beautiful solo on it yeah. and just really, you know, gets inside of the the chords and has a couple of really beautiful lines. That was another theme of the Joe Walsh solo actually too. There's, It starts off with this... Um, this walk down, you know, from A to G sharp, F sharp to E and then down to D actually, I think. But what's cool about it is that it displaces some of the stuff. So I think that the A and the G sharp are down on the D string. The F sharp is way up on the E string. So it kind of jumps up for that and then back down for the E and maybe back up again for the D or something. So um just trying to tease apart these lines and um, look at some bigger picture stuff actually is what's kind of trying to happen there yeah i
0: look dude i love all this stuff <laughs> this is, <laughs> i love talking all this it's like I, i'd say nerdy stuff and the biggest yeah. compliment i could possibly give it i mean you know i i just love tearing apart tunes and actually um i'm interviewing john for track by track for the for that album oh yeah tomorrow um great. so I'm yeah, looking yeah forward to that. and actually that's one of the songs on the live set for coming up here um that i'm doing with dominic and casey campbell and uh it's Thomas been Kessel. real. Okay, it's great. It's been real. Is yeah. on there. You won't be hearing. Well, maybe one of those guys might whip off. uh yeah, the Thiele solo. but I, It definitely will not be this guy. <laughs> hey, I'll send it to you. Maybe you can play it in unison or something. Dude, send it on.
1: <laughs> Please do. That'd be that'd be amazing.
0: Yeah, there's no way.
1: But... Well, this is a good segue. If you send it to my Patreon page, you get all three of these notated and and um, tablatured out. They're oh, all they're all in there.
0: That's right. Let's talk about
1: your Patreon. When did you start it up, man? I started it up in um, March, I think, kind of when this whole lockdown thing started to happen. Um, that was kind of a, a, a initial response to, you know, what's a way that folks can get on here and and support musicians without, you know, going to shows. So, so that's kind of when it got started back in back in March, and I've I've you know spent differing amounts of time with it over the the last little while, but mm-hmm. most recently I've been trying to um, live stream on Facebook, like you're saying, um, live stream on Facebook and practice for a little bit and, um, for an hour, four to five minutes or half an hour or whatever. And, um, after that I go and write up a little something and, um, just kind of, you know, talk about what we talked about in the live stream and maybe put some little notation tablature snippets in there for people to work on. And, um, yeah, that's a big part of it. And then I've been trying to interview people for, about practicing. Um, interviewed Joe Walsh a little while ago. And um, the other, the last kind of aspect of it is transcriptions. Like, um, like these, it's been real, you know, fiddle tune transcriptions that I uh, people can at certain levels. Folks get, you know, get to ask me what to transcribe. Oh wow! And um, and I, I send them a you know transcription of whatever they choose. Um, but then I also transcribe stuff that I'm working on and, and throw it up there for folks to check out.
0: That's amazing. And, and we should also talk about your um your club Pass theme. You also do teaching there as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, but a different a different style of teaching. It's more like courses as opposed to just.
1: Yeah, I've been doing a couple classes through them each semester. Um, generally, beginning and intermediate mandolin. Um. And yeah, they're, they're just on, on Zoom and we, uh, yeah, talk about, play a bunch of different tunes and talk about the mandolin and um, beginnings, you know, basically if, if you've never picked up the mandolin, we'll find a place for you there and if you um, are a little more comfortable with it um, and ready to kind of keep trekking on the intermediate classes, the what fits generally.
0: And you also do online lessons if people want to sign up with you and take some more personal sort of lessons.
1: Yep, yep. Online lessons, all that, all that good stuff.
0: Cool. You're well-rounded in these crazy times, and and I think it's just an amazing thing for the players to be able to do, like, you know, even, like, just like that Facebook uh, practice session that you do, you know what I mean? It's just, like, to get inside your mind for a little bit and, you know... Before, you're probably so busy touring, which, you know, hopefully that gets back to that. But in the meantime, this is just an amazing way to to, to see any player that you admire, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a really, I mean, yeah, it's a silver lining about this time at, at, um, when we're not playing shows um, that we're just able to hopefully work in some some more sustainable um, income methods besides, you know, playing shows, if we can, you know, if we can all get our lesson business underway and, you know, Patreons or, you know, however we make it work, recording work, teaching work, you know, whatever you've got. Yeah. Um, but it's a good, it's a good impetus to really to work on some of this stuff that a lot of us never had time before. Cause we were just running around on airplanes and everything.
0: Yeah. So I've got two more questions for you um, here yeah. before and, And the first one is, well, we've been talking about technique and all the cool things and and practicing. If you had 10 minutes a day to recommend something or that you would work on, what is something Mm -hmm. that you would recommend for somebody to do 10 minutes a day to get better?
1: 10 minutes. I think I would say that metronome thing that we were talking about a little bit ago. Um, Just, you know, you choose a – like, if you do this every day, this is a great practice. You know, you choose a fiddle tune, different fiddle tune every day. And you sit down, you put your metronome on, um, you know – two clicks per bar, you know, and you just get, you, you play through it, get it feeling nice and comfortable. And, um, that feels good. You move on to the next one, you know, you know, get that feel, feel good. And then you keep going and this little, it'll work in, it has benefits when you're playing eighth notes, when you're playing a solo or a tune for sure. But, um, I think it also just really helps with playing rhythm, you know, just getting this, this internal clock going on, just keeping you, keeping you steady while you're you're you know playing music of any sort actually do you have a uh, do you have a go-to fiddle tune
0: going to a music store and there's a beautiful mandolin hanging up there there's a lloyd lore uh, just randomly <laughs> hanging and do you have a tune that you would play like on guitar it? center yeah um
1: <laughs> would, could you imagine <laughs> yeah that'd be out there oh. um i have been loving whiskey before breakfast recently yeah um and just it's a you know it's a classic tune and it's a little overplayed but it's a classic tune for a reason and all these you know all these classic tunes are just um they're there for a reason you know because they're really they're all really great tunes we we played a we played with Daryl Banished Misfortune last uh, the other night and you know that's a that's sort of one of the overplayed Irish tunes I guess and but it's it's a great tune you know. And it's just, you know, one of those things that. It's great rhythm work, great rhythm
0: workout, too, I think. Like, just like the chord changes aren't there a little bit, you know. Whiskey before breakfast? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah like totally. it's not
0: just, you know, it's not, I mean, there's some quick changes and cool changes. Like It's like a Blackberry Blossom as well. You know what I mean? Totally. It's one of
1: those ones
2: where yeah. you're like, you,
1: you, you got to play good rhythm on that one. <laughs> well that's kind of part of part of it you know it's this you know whisker for breakfast you've got that nice big walk down which is just fun to play chords over it's fun to solo over and and it just all combines with the rest of the tune to just it's all it just you know what i go for in tunes is just make them feel satisfying you know and whisk for breakfast just feels in general it just feels good to play
0: and by the way, if Guitar Center had a Lloyd Lore hanging there, it would definitely be $500,000. They would have it so yeah, overpriced. I was just thinking about that. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the final question, the final question is, do you have a favorite beer?
1: Yeah, I like beer. Um, I've got a couple that I've been thinking, well, I've got one that I've been thinking about recently. There's this, there's this great brewery down the road from Joe Walsh's house in Maine, in Portland, Maine, called Rising Tide Brewery. And it's not for everybody, for sure, but they've got a Goza a salt beer um, called uh, Pisces, made with seawater. You know what? Joe mentioned
0: that one. I've been wanting to try that ever <laughs> since he mentioned it.
1: It's great. It's it's I, I love it. People, some people don't like it for sure, sure, but I love it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Do you have like a go-to gig beer? Like if you're playing somewhere and you're like, oh, what do you guys got here?
1: um well i i sometimes try the the ipas whatever they've got on tap because I, I i like those um millennial that i am and um uh but i also i have a soft spot in my heart for coors banquet
0: dude coors is my go well i do the coors light coors is my go-to sure. gotta play three hours beer <laughs> sure
1: yeah totally <laughs> you know the focus beer
0: exactly you can't do- the coors banquet's a classic dude
1: I love it. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a it's a good
0: vibe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's been a good vibe talking with you, man. This has been fantastic. Hey, man, you
1: too. Yeah, it's been great to hang.
0: Well, thank you. Everybody go up and uh, sign up for his Patreon. Check him out online. I'll have all the links for you. And uh, Ethan, thank you so much for doing
2: the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Daniel.